Turns out it's haunted. The podcast covering haunted locations and spooky stories. We're your hosts, Tracy and Laura. Mm. Hi, scaredy cats. Hello, my dear scaredy cats. Welcome back to Turns Out It's Haunted. It's my turn this week. Yay! I got a week off. I didn't. I still did research for another one. It's not like it's a week off, but. I'm very thankful it's that not. I didn't have to do two. <laughs> yes, and you also spent two hours with a, a cool special guest that will be over on Turns Out She's Psychic. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we're going to drop a bit of a bonus. Yep. Unhaunted. Yep. So there'll be a little bit of a special cross-channel gift mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. which sounded really cool so even though I didn't really get to be a part of it because the uh zoom technology people were not in my favor the <laughs> zoom gods. after about 20 <laughs> seconds of me trying to be part of it I was like I can't do this I kept breaking up yeah sounding like a robot so I just bowed out and then for the next two hours you guys had a good chat by the sounds of it anyway we certainly did it was like so I'm super we, we talked about so much stuff at one point I forgot that we were recording and so we were just chatting yeah <laughs> <laughs> so look forward to that guys <laughs> no it yeah. will be really really cool and then also I wanted to have a little quick shout out to Miss Texas who has been um tagging us in some photos from Mineral Wells yeah. because she was passing through that so uh-huh. she took photos of the Baker Hotel it was and bigger the Haunted than, Hill House. Was it not like it was bigger than what I thought it was going to be like when I saw that photo I just went whoa that is a really massive place. It's huge. it's huge. And they're renovating it. She said she confirmed they're in full-scale renos over there. Crazy. And she also mentioned that she was in the car park of the funeral home that sits right in between the hotel and the house. And she also mentioned that the hill that goes like that's directly behind the house, um, there's a weird feeling about that. And I remember when I was doing my research, I kept trying to look up the name of that hill because there was, you know, there was alluding to secret tunnels in there that Mm -hmm. Native Americans used and later on other people. Um, But there's something... There's something about that hill, I reckon, that's really interesting. Well, that's obviously why the water is the the miracle mineral mm. water because of whatever's going yeah. on in the hill. Did she have the water? Um, oh, she didn't mention that she did. Mm. So, Very so cool. thanks, Miss Texas. Thank you, Miss you, Texas. You're super cool. You're yeah. the best. <laughs> I love that those photos are ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A, a lovely gift, yeah. just our type of gift. Uh-huh. It's in the family now. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So we'll be sharing them at some point and doing something with them and perhaps even having some more correspondence with Miss Texas about her um, her little expedition. Mm-hmm. See how we go. Yeah, fun. I think we've just put her on the spot 
in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> oh, well, that's what we do. It's how we roll. You get that. Yeah. So what spooky story have you got for me today? So today I have decided to share with you and our listeners a little bit of the Tower of London and its ghosts that haven't left there. So, Ooh. Did you know that Buckingham Palace is extremely haunted too? Oh, I'm not surprised. Like everything over there is so bloody old. There's layers of history. You nearly said that with an English accent. Like Hermione just Did then. I? Yeah, I was waiting for the Hermione Granger just to kick in just a little bit, like just turn it up a notch <laughs> and you would have done a Hermione. I found out, um, which I would have assumed, I never really thought about it though, but um, yeah. our guest from Turns Out She's Psychic that I had my chat with, Buckingham Palace is one of the ones that he, on his bucket list to do. Oh, wow. Mm. Cool. Even over um, Tower of London. Yeah, that wasn't on his top three. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. But you have well, to wait cool. to hear his top three, won't you? Yeah, exactly. I have to wait like everyone else. Well, actually, not really because um, producer Maddie and myself are going to be all over that mm-hmm. in the next coming hours mm-hmm. to try and get it to everybody ready for Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> the magic <laughs> makers. It's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. A two-hour mm. two-parter. Yep. I can't wait. I'm pumped. But anyway, I'm equally as pumped um, today to talk about the Tower, Tower of, London. of London. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to jump right in. Please do. Um, so the Tower of London itself started being constructed in uh, 1066 after William the Conqueror invaded England following the death of Edward the Confessor Stop. on Christmas Day. 1066. Yes. Well, no, 1066. <laughs> I'm like not computing, not, not no, understanding 1066. 1066 1, or 1066. <laughs> what do you say? Do you say 2021 or 2021? Both. Yeah. I usually say 2000. 2000 and, <laughs> 2011, 2011. I, I don't, I, I, interchangeable is my answer. Yeah. So this is 1066 or 1066. 1066. Not 10,066. Yeah. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, AD, no. where are we going with this 10,000 business? Right. Well, that is, that's a very good point because um, in 50 AD, <laughs> which is around the time that the Romans um, came in and started a little newly formed town they called Londinium um, in AD 50, uh, they originally had a smaller fort site over which when William the Conqueror came in, he built over the top of that uh, one of their fort sites, the Tower of London or the first um, structure in what we know as the Tower of London these days. Cool. Um, so it's so like he was, Yeah, like it's this, this site, there's layers and layers of history and comings and goings. So it's right on the north bank of the River Thames and obviously back then they weren't travelling, you know, there was no roads so that was the main 
method of transportation was, you know, the big boats and ships coming in. So uh, the position where it is on the River Thames um, in London was, you know, one of the sites that they had to really try and safeguard from invasion. So that's why he chose that position and he, he wanted something massive and oppressive and commanding because he was one of the first or the first monarch from another country to rule England. So he's from Normandy, France. Um, so after he'd conquered lots of uh, divisions in, in France, he came over and took over England for a little while, a wee while. <laughs> um, so this tower and structure ended up being unlike anything else in this small town of London and he wanted it to look that way. He wanted it to be this really big object of strength and power and to oppress the people that um, were were not happy that he was there. So he, um, he built it, well, had it made from um, French stone and it took almost 20 years to complete um, and it still makes up the heart of the castle complex today. So um, it's often referred to now as the White Tower, this original structure. Is that because um, of the colour yeah. of the stone? Yeah, and it's the colour of the stone and also it was whitewashed as well to make it stand out even more. French yeah. provincial whitewash. Mm. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's huge as well. It's like the original French provincial look. (laughs) The rich, rich rigid. OG. Yeah. So the design and layout of the grounds has evolved and expanded over many years. In the, in the, now I'm going to mess it all up. In the 1200s, (laughs) is that what I said? In the 12,000s. The 12,000s. In the 1200s. A large moat. Yeah, a large moat was dug around the grounds. Um, so obviously it was built right on the side of the River Thames. And so in coming years, they dug a massive, massive wide moat all around the other sides of the tower and the castle grounds. And then they flooded water from uh, the river tight, the yeah, the river in and to surround it with a big moat. Um And subsequent reigning rulers added um, more guarded walls and towers. So it ended up having like concentric curtain walls and towers that went around um, the tower. So there was a tower and then there was a little church and other structures, but then they built walled, guarded walls out from that as well. So two concentric circles of walls and towers and then the moat. So it was really fortified and it's, it's still um, the design of it is well renowned for how sort of strong its fortification is and how its lines of defence, how strong its lines of defence were because uh, it really needed to be because of the position where it was at. It would it'd be left open to attack but they sort of took care of that in the coming, you know, hundreds of years. So we're already 200 years down the line from when it was built. This place now is nearly a 1,000 years old so there's a lot of history and a lot of uh improvements over the years but essentially a lot of the improvements that was made to it is is still there some of the buildings on the inside aren't there anymore but the lines of defense are um the moat obviously isn't there anymore but the ditch is the ditch that they dug out is but it's not it's no longer filled with water moats are so cool Um, i used to love moats when i was little 
used to did you always try and create them around things oh, that the I would idea make. Of it. Yeah, yeah. Like sandcastles at the beach always yeah. needed a moat, mm-hmm. and even just out the back playing in the dirt. Like I can't believe. Mm. Can you believe that I actually used to play in the dirt? But anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember just, like, making, like, little fairy huts and little whimsical little garden things for gnomes and fairies or whatever, and then that always had a moat, always. They always had a moat. Yeah, and always had a bridge. (laughs) Yep, like a drawbridge. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the best part. This place had drawbridges back in the day, and and I think the moat at one stage – was widened as well was so it wasn't just widened so you oh. know it, you know that's not a moat this is a moat kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. show you a moat you want to see a moat I will show you a moat exactly so it, it had a big moat and yeah like I said you can see the ditches where it was but but it's no longer filled with water anywho I digress so uh, yeah. And then also a new entrance was made in the 1200s to the castle um, and it was originally called Watergate. Um, it has long since been referred to as Traitor's Gate. So it was a um, new entrance to the castle from the riverside. So that's where um, the prisoners would come and probably not leave through, but they would often just be transported straight down the river, straight into the castle through the Traitor's traitors Gate, but it was originally called the Watergate, so that's the original Watergate Watergate that, yeah, people like to steal that term from. Wow, that's cool. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, so that's, yeah, 200 years after the original structure was built and all these other, um, you know, walls and towers and, and whatnot have been created, this was one of them. And so this was a really big, a really big one on the riverside. Um, yeah, so controlling the tower has been important to controlling the country and for more than 500 years it served as a royal palace and also as a prison from around 1100 to 1952, an armoury, a treasury a, I love this word, an animal menagerie. So mm, menagerie. Not a zoo, but a zoo, yeah. Um, from the mid-1200s to around 1835 when London Zoo eventually opened up um, because it was a place of royal residence and they hosted um, people from all around the world. People would bring them gifts and a popular gift back in the day would be an exotic animal. <laughs> Yeah, an elephant, Mm -hmm. there was polar bears, grizzly bears, lions. Um, And actually, speaking of the moat, when they, um, archaeologists were digging up parts of the moat, they found lots of exotic animal bones down there. So Um, cool. And and some of lions that are no, well, a particular sort of breed of lion I guess um species that's extinct now but yeah wow very cool um I guess what animals didn't die there then went to the zoo when a zoo opened up but there is I came across a story of the African elephant that they kept there um was often fed red wine to stave off the cold So it didn't live a very long life, but it, it might have had a fairly happy one or not. Can not you imagine elephant, a drunk yeah, elephant? Red wine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well-meaning gosh. carers fed it 
gallons, litres of red wine to stave off the cold. So, uh, yep, so it was an animal menagerie um, and it was also the founding site of the Royal Mint. Um, and to this day, it still houses and, sa- and safeguards the crown jewels of England. Um, it still has um, yaomen, also known as beef eaters, that safeguard the grounds and property. Well, um, well, and well, they, well, also known as what? Beef eaters. And yeah, commonly known as beef eaters. I don't, I'm and that lost. was because they had free range back in the day to eat as much meat um, as they wanted, as much red meat as they wanted by order of the king in order to keep their health and strength and well being. Strong, strong yeah. men to protect the crown jewels. Yeah, when it was very rare, um, they were allowed to have free range. So that's why they're commonly known as beef eaters. Well, you want to be but when you yow, grow up, yow, I want to be a beef eater. A beef eater. And protect beef. the crown jewels. Want to eat meat. Anyway, yep. So so it's still operational. Everyone can go have tours. The Yao men are the ones that actually run the tours as well. So Spell that for um, me. Y-E-O man. I wonder if that's where the last name comes from because I know a few people with that last name. I wonder, like, you know how oh, they yeah. say, like, if your last name's Smith yes. or Blacksmith Smith. Yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, I it wonder. It denotes your occupation. Mm, so I wonder if they come from a long line of beef eaters. Maybe. Ask them what their favourite thing to eat is. Beef. <gasps> I beef. know why. Oh, God. <laughs> what? We haven't even got into this and you, you're going off. She's going off. <laughs> But like if Go you on. said to if you said to your yellman, um, you know, what's your favorite thing to eat? And they said beef, I'd be like, I know why. Because your ancestry were beef eaters. Like maybe. Yeah. You, it, yeah. It's, a fa- it's fact. It's fact. Well, I'm not sure that <laughs> they actually have ancestral. I'm not sure just because dad's a beef eater, it means you're necessarily a beef eater. I think you've got to apply for the position. Yeah. But great. You you bring up valid points that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. It's more, it, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. Bring it back. Pull it back anywho, in. Pull it anywho, into line. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some of the ghosts okay. that are there because like we said it's a, almost a thousand years old so there's many layers of history and yeah, ghosts stun some shit can't possibly cover them all but yeah as well as being a royal residence this um like I was saying before there's a couple of churches in there there were more that don't survive to these days um but they're Although not many recorded um, torture, um, torturing sort of devices were found there, there was one of those um, tables that used to stretch people found in one of the, you know, dug out bottom rooms of one of these towers. They're so fascinating. Um, Yeah, and then there's garden grounds that they used to, um, or the green they called it, erect scaffolding on whenever they did um, execute people there. Um, 
A fair few people were executed on the grounds, but for the most part, most of the executions happened um, on Tower Hill, which isn't within the grounds of London Tower, but it's not far from there. Um, But royalty and sort of higher noblemen were definitely executed within within the castle grounds, but the most um, popular place to execute was just down the road on um, on on the hill. Anyhow, so there's a, a ghost called the White Lady that haunts the White Tower. So again, the White Tower is the original structure that was built. Um, although no one is really sure of who she actually is, she has a strong presence there and it's typically announced by an overwhelming smell of cheap perfume. Uh, so strong. <laughs> it is of the had, valley. It is... Yeah, (laughs) made several tower visitors sick. Few visitors report being tapped on the shoulder only to turn around and see nothing but a wisp of white. So that's a very common one in the very same area in the white tower. Mm. It's that sickly uh, perfume. Some also have reported cigarette smell. Are there any theories as to who she might be? Not really, but there's there's lots of theories of the other ones that we're going in, going to get into, but they just refer to her as the white lady. So mm. um, I don't know. We could do a bit more digging around. I mean, there's a lot of people that I've dug around on, and this one, it's always just the white lady. But it could be a couple everywhere. of number of the other ones. Yeah, isn't there just? So who would know? All right, so I've tried to... Um, other than the white lady, I've tried to structure these other ghosts that I'm going to talk about almost in um, the order of when they died. So I'm going to talk about um, the Watergate that we just talked about and it's it's um, when it was getting built, which was around um, 12,040. Did I say that right? <laughs> no, you did not. Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. Oh my god! What's Gosh, wrong with me? We are so lucky that you do not, or are not, a historian, because history would be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be just adding zeros everywhere. Anyhow. Anyhow, um, it was King Henry III that ordered the construction of the Watergate to fortify the tower's riverside defences. But it was built on marshland, obviously, being on the side of the river. It was very boggy. And setting the foundations was a difficult task and the edifice twice collapsed into the river, noting that on each occasion this had happened on St George's Day. So it must have been one year after the other. Henry asked the builders to account for the miraculous coincidence. Not wishing to admit incompetence, they invented a supernatural explanation that on both occasions the ghost of Thomas A. Beckett, which was the Archbishop of Canterbury um, in the 1100s, who had been murdered on the King's Order, had appeared and demolished the almost completed tower. Desperate to make peace with this ghost, whose murder had been the result of the rash words of King Henry II, his own grandfather, Henry III ordered that a chapel dedicated to St Thomas must also be built. The structure was then completed without further ghostly interference and has survived for nearly 700 years, supported by little more than marshland and superstition. That's crazy. 
Can you imagine being the guys that sat there and went, shit, I don't want to be stretched. I don't want to be, like, I don't want to be executed. I don't want to be thrown in the boggy marsh moat. Let's make up (laughs) a story. Like, I can just imagine them getting drunk on red wine with the elephants and, like, we're (laughs) going to tell, we're going to tell the king that, that there's a ghost and it's this this dude and then all of a sudden mm. they've created this like entire structure that now exists and oh man all on a founded on folklore yeah that's hilarious a lie yeah and it says before it opened to the public the building previously provided accommodation for the families of tower officials several of whom were troubled by the appearance of a ghostly monk whose sandals would be heard slapping on the stone floors the monk occasionally shared this lonely vigil with the ghost of an unseen child whose heart-rendering sobs were to say the least somewhat distressing for those who lived there so yeah it's funny when you get into someone's mind that something's there, what, what can happen sometimes or, mm-hmm. you know, who's to say it wasn't there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But also spirits can just come. Like they can be anywhere. They don't yeah. have to have had a history with that place. They can just be there because you're there. Because they're called to be there, yeah. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. Might be where yeah. the white lady come from. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? maybe she liked the White Tower. Maybe she's French and really liked its whitewash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic style. <laughs> Anyhow, okay. In 1471, Henry VI met his end as a result of a real-life Game of Thrones. Henry stood to inherit both the English and French thrones, but the House of York imprisoned him during the War of the Roses. Shortly after, Edward seized the throne... In 1471, Henry VI was stabbed while praying in Wakefield Tower, which his ghost haunts to this day. He appears at the last stroke of midnight. So Wakefield Tower. So all the towers that were attached to the big walls all have different names and Mm -hmm. they weren't just a tower that was solid. They had rooms and people lived in them and they were quite grand in themselves. It was a building. Yeah. So he was praying in in his... little church space and he was killed while he was praying there how rude right how rude i wonder what that means like like as a spiritual like person um yeah the the thought of well it depends it depends on how he was praying and whether his praying was actually praying and so praying is about surrender so if he was actually surrendering that scares me, or mm-hmm, scares not the right word, but it bothers me to think that when I pray, and I love to pray, and I'm a good prayer person. I don't. I'm a good prayer. I don't know. Is that a thing? You're but anyway, prayer. I'm a good prayer. <laughs> um, but when I pray, I'm truly surrendering, and I can't imagine that also meeting with the time of my death, like ultimate I, surrender. Yeah, that's just like there is something. What well, like what is that? What does that mean? Yeah, it's gross. It's mind-bending, but it it's it interesting. Yeah, very. That's mm. that's deep. And we're not going deep. We're just talking about gore at the minute. It's okay? Sunday morning, really early yeah. in the morning. And <laughs> yeah. We're living but I on, love that. We're living yeah. on a very short amount of sleep. Can't and go deep. coffee and lemon water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alkaline right. water. Can pull, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. In 1483... I'll just You're take you better. down a notch. I want to talk. 
I want to talk back in 1483, the sons of King Edward IV were sent to the tower. The two boys were aged about 10 and 12. The eldest of the two, Edward, had become king after the death of his father. So he was only 12 though. So the boys had been sent to the tower by their uncle, Richard, because Edward was too young to be king. Richard had taken over the throne of England himself instead. Onlookers later wrote that the boys used to play most days in the grounds of the tower. But one day, they just disappeared forever. In 1674, builders were modernising the White Tower. They demolished an old staircase and beneath it they made a grisly discovery. The bound-together skeletons of two children. Whoa. Yeah. Some years later, the bones were analysed. They were believed to be of two boys aged about 10 and 12. It was one of the most gruesome finds in the Tower of London history. Most people believed them to be the missing princes and the bones were given a royal burial at Westminster Abbey. Oh, wow. I'm it's getting goosebumps quite, like, yeah, in my core. Yeah. Mm, it's really sad. It's awful. I um, just think about my boys. Like, I mean, they're 15 and 13, yeah. but like, oh, gosh. That King Richard Taken was away f- at that young age. Oh, dick. In- insane. Yeah. And that was how it was back then. Like, so yeah. hungry were the people for the power. They would kill their own mm-hmm. just to get the, to the throne. It's really mm-hmm. Game of Thronesy. It's quite clear they were murdered and the bones were buried in the tower, but no one quite knows who did the dastardly deed. I, do. I did it was see Richard. that written. No, paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> was it their wick- wicked uncle or was it one of his closest advisors? <laughs> to this day, no one's quite sure. Oh, Some sure. of the writers of these stories are fantastic <laughs> and I loved those words, so oh, I just ripped that out. Hilarious. And I had to. It was good. So can, the can, figures. Wait, yep. Just on Go that, on. so if King Richard then took over and was not the rightful king, then does that mean that the royal family has, did, did they course correct? Like did. Oh, no, that doesn't happen. That There's twists and turns throughout hundreds of years. So they never course correct. They never course correct. They they take the throne and then they're the rightful owner of the throne. And if someone challenges that and says that's not your rightful position, that's treason and they kill you. So it's not really about bloodline at all. It's These about these days, who later is... on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Later on it is because no one's challenged royalty. I couldn't tell you because, like we have established, I'm no historian. I can't tell you the last time the throne was challenged in that way and how long this bloodline has gone past. Let's challenge it. With all the shit that's going down right now, I don't don't think that many people would be surprised if someone just turned around and went, hey, give me that crown. Well, I think human nature, (laughs) believe it or not, has probably evolved somewhat from that time. It doesn't feel like it at the moment with what's going on in our country. But, you know, if someone tried to challenge for the throne, they would just be laughed at and they wouldn't get very far. You would never get access, which is why they're so highly guarded. I wonder if people actually do challenge it. We just never hear about it. Who would know? Anyway, again, you bring up all these (laughs) Valid questions. Let's get it's back where to my the mind boys. goes. I know, I know, and that's why we love you. So that was a little bit about those two young princes. So, so sad. 
really sad and really mysterious given the fact one of them was king one of them was prince edward and the other one do you know his other his brother's name prince yeah they're here um edward's the eldest the two the eldest of edward why don't i have the other one written here it's okay i do know it i don't know i do know it i don't know and how am i yeah i don't know Prince number two, second Philip? in line. <laughs> Philip, Andrew. Probably one of those. William. But, yeah, it's mysterious because it was quite well known that they were there in the tower and then all of a sudden they, you know, just disappeared. And it wasn't till a long time later, what did I say, six, like more than 200 years later, years. that yeah. they were actually found Well, well their I'm, remains. I'm really glad they were and I'm really glad that they were given the funeral that they deserved. Yeah, yeah, not, not nice. So they're two ghosties that, that quite often um, hang around the White Tower as well as the White Lady. All right, so we're moving forward a little bit to 1536 and we're going to talk about Anne Boylan. By Boylan. Boylan. Anne Boylan. <laughs> Spell it. B-O-L-E-Y-N. Because I always want to say Boylan, but it's not. It's more Bolan. 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 Anywho. Bolan. So. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one, isn't it? Bolane. So, Bolane? <laughs> L-E-Y-N. Dear God. Bolin. L-E. Bolin. Watching you say it All and try and say it is hilarious. It's painful. So anyway, anyway. her husband, um, Henry VIII. Henry VIII, I am, I am. a particularly axe-happy monarch. He had already married one wife prior to marrying Anne, who um, he obviously wasn't married to anymore when he married Anne, but he wooed Anne. And he made her a royal residence within the Tower of London. And three years after he married her, he had her executed there on the grounds as well. So the beheading of Anne would have been unthinkable. Never before had the King of England executed a wife, let alone a wife he'd been pursuing for seven long years. Her death would have been a grisly public spectacle. Henry hired one of the greatest swordsmen of France to come and ensure a speedy decapitation. What did she do? She is the most famous and persistent of all tower ghosts. She is seen on the tower green where she was executed, in St Peter Vincula, that's the church, where she was buried, and wandering corridors as a headless body. Ew. So, yeah, she's been seen um, in different parts of the Tower of London, both roaming the inside of the buildings and outside upon the green, like I just said, um, she was imprisoned in the tower before she was beheaded. How old was she? Um, I don't know. She wasn't. She wasn't old. She'd been in her twenties, I believe. I wonder what she did. Well, he. She apparently 
said something like, I'm trying to see if I've got it here, but when I was reading about her, she said she wasn't really surprised being who he was. He was he was quite in love with beheading people just to get his own way or to further marry someone else. So she never gave him an heir, a son. So um, she was of the understanding that because she couldn't do that and he couldn't really separate from her, he would find reason, he would have made up a reason to be able to marry someone else to try and get an heir. So, Oh, my God, she was um, like in her 20s. Like give us some time. She had said something along the lines of, you know, it's not his fault, I couldn't produce an heir, here I am. But he invented reasons like incest and adultery and none of it was true. Um. Yes. So. So he she, was just a sociopath. Yeah, because he he killed um he killed Thomas More in 1535, Anne in 1536, and Thomas Cromwell in 1540, and Catherine Howard in 1542. And I think she was married to him as well. I wow. think he had two wives beheaded, but she was the first. <laughs> Well, there yeah. is that thing, Sounded like the horrendous. Henry VIII, I am, I am, and that's mm. because it's about him being someone who beheads. A dick. Mm-hmm. Not beheads a dick, but he <laughs> obviously was a dick. <laughs> that was the best timing. <laughs> oh, my God. Honest to goodness. So some people see her walking around headless holding her head as well. Oh, not the top of the dick? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And in, there's a little bit of a story. In 1864, it's recorded that a soldier guarding the tower saw the terrifying headless figure of Anne. He panicked and tried to stab at it with his bayonet. The dagger, of course, went straight through her ghostly figure. The soldier fainted from fright and was about to be court-martialed for being asleep on duty because obviously someone came and found him asleep. However, many other guards came forward and claimed they'd also seen the ghost of Anne whilst on night duty. So the soldier was let off because he would have been in big shit if he was sleeping on duty. But when he actually said, I think I passed out and fainted for fright because I saw this and other soldiers were able to say, oh, we saw that too, they were able to sort of corroborate his experience and he was let off. Mm. So that's a good one. I love right, it how so this... back then everyone was just like, oh, you saw a ghost? Okay, cool. Or we'll just invent ghosts. But now, like 20,000 years later, according to Laura's history, we are like, yeah, ghosts aren't real. Nah. What do you mean you saw a ghost? Yeah, you're weird. You're crazy. You saw a ghost. But back then yeah, it was crazy. like back you, then, you would build yeah. whole whole towers because of a ghost. You'd build whole churches. You would, yep. It's amazing. It's well, they were very superstitious. A lot was folklore, myth, legend. They all sort of merged together in some way along the way that we've really denoted that, haven't yeah, we? we've hidden it. Hmm. Hmm. Because it's not nice to think about because we can't define it. We'd prefer to find things that we can really define and prove, for yeah. want of a better word. Mm-hmm. I, I, Anywho. That would take I'm me taking on a whole you. different mm-hmm. channel. And this one's, this one's gross. This one's <clears throat> prepare yourself. So in 1541, um, I'm going to talk about Margaret Pohl. And she frequents the area of the scaffold on the greens of the Tower of London. Um, And Margaret Pohl was the Countess of Salisbury. 
She was a victim of one of the most gruesome botched executions in history. She was 72 years old and her crime was nothing more than the fact that she was the mother of Cardinal Pole, who had vilified Henry VIII's claim as head of the Church of England. Unable to punish the cardinal himself, Henry opted to exact savage retribution by sentencing his mother to death. On the 27th of May, 1541, she stepped onto the scaffold and stared contemptuously at the executioner. When the countess reached the scaffold where she was to be beheaded, she refused to kneel, saying, So should traitors do, and I am none. The executioner misswung his axe, landing on her shoulder instead of her neck. She then ran screaming and the executioner then had to chase her all around the scaffold, hacking at her until she died a gory death. Oh, my God. Her ghostly screams can still be heard on the tower green and a few visitors claimed to have seen a ghostly reenactment of the chase. Oh, chills. Yeah, same. But just quietly, she's my hero. I know, right? What a badass bitch. Oh, and 72? Even in the face of an executioner holding an axe, she's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Well, she would have, at 72, she would have seen some shit. Yeah. And that's like, really elderly for back then. Like, yeah. that is, might as well be 100 these days. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of people didn't live very long lives. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Crazy, yeah. So that's pretty heinous. So she's a she's a ghost that people see around. Now I really want to go here. I know, right? So now in fifteen fifty four, we're going to talk about Lady Jane Grey. So all this history, it's really games of like you can see where the show Game of Thrones gets all its sort of storylines from. It's it's not far from the truth. It's so gory and bloodthirsty and power hungry. And poor Lady Jane Grey. She was an unfortunate pawn in a plot to replace Mary I and was executed, which was Mary Queen of Scots, and was executed for high treason in 1554, aged 16 or 17, depending on what you read. She was queen for 10 days before being executed by Mary. Lady Jane Grey and her husband, Lord Guilford Dudley, were advanced as an Anglican alternative to the Catholic Mary. So, you know, again, religion was huge back then and what people killed for as well. So upon Mary's marriage to Philip of Spain and being crowned queen, she sentenced both to death and they were beheaded. Lady Jane Grey's ghost is seen wandering the battlements, a lonely, solitary figure. She can also appear as a white, shimmering figure that floats from the rolling river mists and around the green. So um, her and her husband, Lord Guilford Dudley, were only married for about six weeks before they were made, um, before Lady Jane was made queen. And she was a pawn, like I had just said, in the plot to replace Mary because she was Anglican and her husband were Anglican and they were seen to be more, by those around her, they they were seen to be more attractive than a Catholic queen. So that's why pretty much everyone around her said, no, we want Lady Jane Grey to be queen, she'd be a better queen, predominantly just to make sure Mary, um, Queen of Scots, wouldn't be queen, but... 
Mary was older and more powerful and then she married, yeah, Philip of Spain and then came back and said no. So the whole time that Lady Jane Grey was queen, she was in the Tower of London. They were trying to protect her initially and then it became a prison and then it became her place of death. Um, so Lord Guilford Dudley. So she was um, 16. So Lady Jane 16 or Mary, Queen of yeah. Scots, was 16. No, Lady Jane Grey was only okay. 16 and she yeah. was just a pawn because of the way, you know, the family she was born into and their religion of, and her a stature. Absolutely. Of, yeah. Yeah, she was the pawn. Yeah, exactly. Mm. No wonder why um, chess is what it is, the mm. game of this is just yeah. reminding me of the game of King, chess. You've got the queens, kings, the queens, exactly. the pawns, yeah. Yep. And, and just, her, the strategic, oh, strategic moves that yeah. you need in order to fall. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing, hey. Uh, um, and so her husband is also a famous, famous, is also a ghost um, that haunts the Beecham Tower, which is a, like a prison area, um, sitting in his cell, weeping late into the night. Um, and there is also the word Jane that's etched onto one of the walls in there and they think he's the one that, um, that, that etched that onto one of the walls. I, but that's I, sad. I call bullshit. He did not do that. Oh, there you go. A human well, did that. You've, you've heard it. Well, he's a human. Oh. No, before he died, like in his cell. Oh, that's where yeah, he was yeah. kept. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, like I, I could but see. But that's where his ghost is. Yeah. Because right. oh, I'm like, I could yeah. see what was happening. They were showing me who, I don't know who that is right now, but they were showing me. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's it. Well, like, I knew that was a fully formed person that did that, not a yeah. ghost. Oh, that's where he was in prison, but that's where mm-hmm. he, where you can still still hear his ghost. Yeah, yeah. And he was taken out before Lady Jane was, um, in order to be beheaded. So he would have walked straight past the cell that she was being kept in, and I'm not. I don't think she witnessed it, but she would have been able to hear him being, you know, crying and saying he didn't want to go and die. Anyway, yeah, it's just tragic. So that's Hecker's. So that was in the 15s. Now we're going to the six. We're going to 1618. Sir Walter Rayleigh was imprisoned in the tower. I read twice, but it was actually three times. So I went down a rabbit hole with this guy because for some reason I found him interesting. Anyhow, so I'll just read this little bit and then I'll go into him a bit more. Uh, for a secret marriage and once for treason. Following his execution, his ghost began wandering around the bloody tower, um, which used to be called the garden tower because it overlooked the garden green. But these days it's referred to as the bloody tower uh, where he's he was imprisoned as well as along the battlements now known as Rayleigh's Walk. So he's well known to wander this area. And that's all it really had on... Um, this timeline I found. So I wanted to know more about him and why he's such a strong presence. Um, He was an explorer, a poet, and also known for his handsome looks and gallantry. Um, Have you heard of the incredibly romantic and gentlemanly move of a man throwing his coat over a puddle so a lady can walk across it with getting her feet wet? Mm -hmm. That was to do... Uh, the legend has it that Sir Walter was the originator of this move and he did this uh, to impress Queen Elizabeth I. So he was very charming. Smooth. He um, He was very smooth and he wrote poems. Um, of course he did. About Queen Elizabeth as well. So he's, he... He was around 26 years old when his charm found him in the favour of Queen Elizabeth I and by 1587 he had become a Member of Parliament and Captain of the Queen's Guard. 
He was an ambitious explorer motivated by his support for the Protestant faith and contempt for Catholicism. He organised voyages to colonise parts of North America and later South America. However, in 1592, um, around 38 years of age, he was imprisoned in the Tower of London after the Queen found out about a secret marriage he had to one of her ladies-in-waiting and the birth of their son. So although they were together, she was obviously jealous and pissed off. So he locked them up. She locked them up. So Look out, Matt. Yeah, she found out, she found out about off. a secret marriage <laughs> and a son. Wow. Um, so they were locked up, but they were released a few months later. Their son had died and Walter was banished from her court for five years. He became a prisoner of the tower again in 1603 when he was around 49 years of age, following the succession of James I, King of England. He wasn't a very popular king. Soon plots of treason were, in, were uncovered and Walter, along with many others, were imprisoned and sentenced to death. However, Walter's guilt remained unproven and at the, at the last minute the king reduced his sentence to life imprisonment in the tower. He spent the next 13 years there imprisoned. Um, but although he was imprisoned, he was given two well-furnished spacious rooms in the garden tower, now known as the Bloody Tower. He grew exotic plants and herbs from seeds that he had gathered on his travels um, he had guest visit and his, his family often came to stay with him. He continued to write poetry and um, as he had access to over 500 books from the Towers Library, he also studied chemistry and history. He wrote five volumes of a book titled History of the World, which was later banned and any existing publications were seized by the Order of the King and the Archbishop of Canterbury due to the underlying cynical tone towards the monarchy. During this time, Walter's mental health understandably suffered and it is reported he tried to commit suicide using only a table knife. In 1616, Walter was around 62 years old. He was released and ordered to take an expedition to Guiana, South America, to search for gold. However, during this trip, the hatred, his hatred for the Spanish and Catholicism spiked, which caused much havoc and damage because obviously uh, the Spaniards had invaded South America, had a fairly heavy presence there. And he had such hate and contempt for them. Um, he did a few things, not that I know exactly what they are, but he, he caused a lot of trouble over there and a lot of disharmony between those relations. Um, so when he got back from that expedi expedition in 1618 um, and hearing all those stories, he was once again imprisoned, accused of inciting war, and he was beheaded on the 29th of October that same year. Um, his wife, Bess, who he married in secret all those years ago, they remained husband and wife and they obviously went on to have more children, which will become obvious in a second. Um, so after he was beheaded, his head was embalmed and given to his grieving widow, Bess, oh. who kept it with her in a red velvet bag until she died 20 years after Walter. What? The bag apparently survives today, owned by descendants of their son. Oh, so was that a thing? Was that? Oh, was that? I yeah, I don't think it. Like it sounds weird and gross today, but back then it would have just been a, a mark of respect. I don't think it would have been 
too uncommon. Although still a bit strange. You know what I mean? No. Was <laughs> yeah, given, no, I do. Was I do know what you mean, but do I don't it. want to know Shut what up, you Tracy. mean. It's just gross. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, but because, mm. like, if I everything that I know about um, history and beheading and all that kind of era, um, you would send a head to someone to let them, like, it was like a, a fuck you. Yeah, like a sign of don't, like, this is your warning if you... Yeah. Yeah. If you do something wrong, this is what will happen to you. Yeah. And yeah, so heads it's, were it's, often on spikes and whatever. Yeah. But I guess that's a mark of respect. They weren't taking his head off and showing it around to anyone. They were giving it as a mark of, of um, you know, as, as a gift. Mm-hmm. I, I, it would make me go slowly insane, I think. Well, she she carried it with her for 29 years. That's just gross. He has, um, I believe his remains are, are maybe at Westminster Abbey now and there's uh, lead lighting sort of windows there that depict sort of his life and his travels and that sort of thing. And I'm so intrigued. I know, yeah. And his his poetry is is everywhere and a lot of it was um focused on the queen and his love and he he was a great writer. He wrote love letters to Bess and stuff as well saying goodbye and and whatnot. Um yeah, so that's that's he was an interesting and intriguing man. Mm. By all accounts an extremely intelligent. So where is his ghost? Um around the the area that he was imprisoned for 13 years. Okay. Yep. And um, which is the Bloody Tower. His yeah. ghost began wandering around the Bloody Tower as well as along the battlements now known as Rayleigh's Walk. That's right. Yeah. Named after him. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. So I'm going to talk to you a bit about some more unusual ones now. So in the 1800s, so we talked about the menagerie that this Tower mm-hmm. of London also housed. Um, so a number of spectral animals have been heard over the years, including monkeys, lions and horses. There are many stories describing the roars of long-lost lions which echo around the tower at night. Some have also described the phantom shapes of horses which gallop along the cobbles at night, their eyes terrifying a blazing red. A guard at the tower claimed a ghostly bear charged him. Though the guard attempted to bayonet the animal, which kept coming at him, soon the sword went through the animal. The guard was carried senseless to his quarters where he died two days later. And that's there's a written account of how he, you know, fainted after that and he just sort of died of fright, so they say. Um. But, yeah, wow. this this bear was, like, very real to him and when he tried to stab it away with his bayonet it just disappeared and it carried on going straight through him. Did you find anything so, um, about any, like, exotic birds through any of this? Exotic? Not so much, but um, we might as well talk about the ravens while we're here. So Okay. Because I just keep being shown birds and I'm like, why, why are they... All different kinds. Oh, okay. Well, they would have been part of the menagerie for sure. There would have yeah. been exotic birds. But still to this day, the Tower of London houses ravens. And 
for as long as I was trying to research like what year the Ravens actually came to be there and came to be a thing because legend has it that um, should the Ravens leave the tower, both it, the tower, and the kingdom will fall. So to this day they house and special guard six ravens but they've got seven at the minute they've got they've got a spare they take really good care of these ravens and they're taken care of someone called the raven master and guess my god he has a facebook account what the raven master has a facebook account you can have a look at the ravens on a daily basis they all have names they all have very strong personalities they're they're all ravens are very um intelligent they're all kept in certain areas they all have their own daily routine that is um, so cool they have a wing, they have a feather clipped on a wing to stop, to try and stop them flying away because they don't want them to leave, um, just Whoa. to put them off balance. Um, so, but, yeah, so, so Raven still Master, taken seriously. Raven, the Raven Master, Master, is that something that, like, is it, what happens when that Raven Master dies? Yeah, well, in recent years the Raven Masters have changed over, but it's a position that is held for a long time by the one person before someone else gets trained up to replace. That yeah. is bananas, seriously. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine being a little kid? Like, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be the Raven Master. I know. And he has this Facebook account and it's, it's fascinating. How old is he? To look it up. So cute. Oh. The new one. How old's the new one? I don't know. He probably looks around middle age. Hence why the Facebook account. Maybe even a little bit younger. Yeah. Wow. So that's pretty interesting. That's probably why they kept showing me birds because I'm like, when is she going to talk about these damn birds you guys keep showing me? Well, thanks, you guys, because I was going to finish on that. <laughs> oh, I'm but I'm not. Sorry. I'm not nearly finished yet. No, I think we should go with it because that was. I, I found that fascinating. I had to include that, and I'm obsessed. Um, I just Uh-oh. find it really interesting that I was trying to track back when they actually became a thing because obviously raisins aren't uh, ravens aren't <laughs> unusual to the area. Probably raisins aren't either. But anyway. I'm, I'm going to be a um, raisin master. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure at what stage um, it became such a thing or where that folklore led. And I did actually go down a little, uh, it was sort of like Pandora's box with that because I, I went, I ended up on Wikipedia looking into ravens and <laughs> and its history with the London, the Tower of London. And there is even in an old Welsh sort of story that um, there was a Welsh sort of prince and princess, um, can't remember the names. Anyhow, um, the princess was ill-treated by someone of Irish descent, someone coming across from Ireland, and I don't know if she was ill-treated and killed or just ill-treated, but anyhow, the brother didn't like that and wanted to avenge that. And um, and his name is raven in in um in the welsh language and his head somehow ended up buried underneath what is now the tower of london whoa before the roman times like way before any of that so but it's all folklore and legend you know obviously it ends up on wikipedia but there's a lot of stuff there bran i think i think his name was bran something and 
and the word bran is... I can't wait for this episode to finish, seriously, because I am going to... I know what I'm going to be doing today. Oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) No, I know what I'm going to be doing today. (laughs) First off, Raven Master. (laughs) So that's Raven Talk. Yeah, bit of Raven Speak. I think that's all I have to say about Ravens, but... um, Fascinating, fascinating stuff. So I couldn't wow. quite find out how and when it became to be such a formalised thing as opposed to just ravens coming and going mm-hmm. as opposed to someone having a full-time gig to do this because we still believe that we need to keep them here, mm-hmm. which is intriguing. Uh, Anyhow. Uh, I, I'm also going, intrigued by, yeah. like, I mean, uh, it, it's very self-explanatory in terms of the raven master, but you, like... They come up with words like cardinal and and king and yeah. queen and captain, but nah, raven master. Raven master. <laughs> it is a title. Anywho, in eighteen seventeen, um, an interesting uh, sort of happening occurred um, involving Edmund Lenthal Swift. And he was the keeper, yeah, he was the keeper of the crown jewels between 1814 and 1852. He lived with his family inside the Tower of London. Um, So during this time in 1817, he recorded a truly spooky experience. In his own words, it happened on a Saturday night in October at about the witching hour. He was in the Jewel House, now called the Martin Tower, which was also the prison of Anne Bolin. Mm-hmm. The windows were closed, the curtains were pulled over and the room was lighted by a couple of candles. His family was seated within. Suddenly, something very odd happened. Let's hear it in exactly his own words. My wife looked up and exclaimed, good God, what is that? I looked up and saw a cylindrical figure like a glass tube seemingly about the thickness of my arm. It was hovering between the ceiling and the table. Its contents appeared to be a dense fluid, white and pale azure-like, the gathering of a summer cloud and incessantly rolling and mingling within the cylinder. This lasted about two minutes. It then slowly began to move before my sister-in-law, then following the oblong shape of the table before my son and myself, passing behind my wife. It paused for a moment over her right shoulder. Instantly, she crouched down and with both hands covering her shoulder, she shrieked out, Oh Christ, it has seized me. (laughs) Even now, while writing, I feel the fresh <laughs> horror of that moment. Oh, Christ, it has seized me. Yeah. So he documented that and it was witnessed by everyone there. Wow. So that's pretty. Wonder what it was. Heckers. Wonder what it was. They're not at showing you anything now. Thinking, <laughs> at first I was thinking this is alien. Like this is, this Weird. is, this is not paranormal. This is supernatural. For the 1800s, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty like pretty. Um, well, yeah, like um, what's the word? Like I can't think of the word. Anyway, my brain's not working. But there's a word for that. Yeah, there advanced. is a word for that. It's well, not no advanced. No, no, not advanced. Anyway, before their time, just unusual. <laughs> <laughs> unusual. So that was that strange. That's that strange happening. Wow. And there is also um, what's been known, become more familiar with um, 
the smothering force, for want of a better word, um, which is is common on numerous occasions when people have entered the gallery housing Henry VIII's armour. So Henry VIII was a real wacko one. Um, and this uh, Tower of London was an armoury and they, it still houses his armour. And wherever they have his armour, there's this strange... Uh, presence with it. So they've moved it from room to room. A lot of the Yale men um, experience similar happenings and feelings. Um, and it and it's all a similar thing. They have felt a great crushing or smothering force that disappears as soon as they leave the room the armour is in. Guards have also reported being physically accosted, with several guards reporting attempted chokings or strangulations. Some say that it feels like a demon has jumped from the ceiling, wrapped its arms tight around their chest and is trying to suffocate them. Wow. Others say that it feels like an invisible monster is trying to strangle them. They've felt the tight grip of hands around their neck and have stumbled, gasping for oxygen into another room. There's even a tale which tells of a guard being assaulted by a ghost wielding a visible cloak. Again, the guard struggled as he felt the cloak wrapped tight around his neck. He managed to escape the room, but although his assailant was invisible, the remaining bright red marks on his neck were real. Can you go there as a tourist? Yeah. Hundreds of people go there walking through. Into that room? Um, Into the armour. Yeah, you can walk around the armour. I'm pretty wow. sure. It's all in cases. Who's yeah. coming? Seriously, I'm, 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 I'm halfway there. <laughs> I know, it's cool. Um, all these stories of suffocation and strangling have one thing in common. They occurred in the room storing Henry VIII's armour. Uh, yep. Yep. So nowadays the armour is on plain display in the tower and it says, I advise you to be very careful when you pay a visit. It appears to be home to one of the most vicious Tower of London's ghosts. Wow. And, um, of course, I haven't gone through the entire history of the Tower of London because it was a thousand, like, there's there's so many layers there. But it's 10, that's a few old. of the more common presences of the ghosts that are still there. But this, this by has no been my means favorite, all of them. This has been my favourite episode so far. It's interesting. There was also, I didn't touch on the history of... Um, Lots of religious um, people being housed in in one of the areas of the prison from a long, long time ago. And there's um, graffiti, and you can see this on some of the um, the videos. There's one called The Secrets of the Tower of London. You can watch it if you just Google it. It used to be on SBS. It's been taken down. Anyhow, um, they show you the Roman numeral graffiti on the side of this wall wow. there where the monks were imprisoned. And um, I think there is even a, I think it was Anne um, Bolin. Bolin. There's a bit of a, um, like a, a chiselled out sort of portrait of her in one of them and yeah like roman numeral graffiti and like really ornate carvings um and artwork was just done by the prisoners on this one wall it's fascinating so fascinating yeah so that's a little bit of history and the ghosts of the tower of london tracy yeah my like my mind has just gone to so many places today oh amazing Uh, yeah yeah I'm going to need an assistant to help me sort all it all out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
there's, lot, though. There's so many things that I want to look into after this. It's crazy. I could have spent I could have spent a lot more time on it, but I just mm. was so excited as well. I wanted to get um, the most common ghost to you and some of the most common ghost stories. And obviously, you know, you're intrigued. I hope some of our listeners are intrigued to look it up and find out more stuff about it. Yeah. And can we can we put some images up on the socials of the structures and sort of the layout of the land? Because, yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm an extremely yeah. visual person, obviously, and so I've got it in my head pretty much how I think it would be. But I would yeah. imagine for a lot of our listeners that aren't visual, it would there's a lot going on there to, to sort of have yeah. to unpack with where things are. Where things were. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, yeah, there's some sketches of how it was when the moat was full of water and some of the buildings that aren't there anymore and a lot of the main structures still are. But, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of those. So, yeah, we'll definitely picking, we'll be picking some out and, and sharing some because that does give a good idea because it's, you know, right on the River Thames and you've got Traders Gate coming in off that um, and other buildings around it. So, yeah. And one last question. So who lives there now aside from the Raven Master and the Keeper of the Crown Jewels? Yeah, well, it's fully staffed with the Almen still. Um Crown Jewels, like you said, are still there. There's a pub there. There's a doctor in residence. Um, there's wow. still a fair few people on staff there. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I want to go. It's not a prison anymore. I think the, I think, oh, I did have this information somewhere, but I think the last prisoner was there. Let me bring up my little timeline that I had here um, in... 1952, East End London gangsters Ronnie and Reggie Cray were held at the Tower in 1952 and they were the last two prisoners there. They don't have very um, royal-like names. Ronnie? No, well, they were gangsters. Yeah, Yeah. obviously. (laughs) Obviously. It's Ronnie. Mm, And the last hanging place in 1780 on Tower Hill. So that was the the common area for people to be um, executed and hung and whatnot was was right beside those grounds. Oh, 1780. And also, That's actually like in I would have thought it would have gone yep. into the 1800s. True. Last hanging takes place on Tower Hill. Yeah, that's what um that's what it says here on the timeline. Produced by the historic Royal Palaces Tower of London, and it also mentions, which um, an interesting note was that Isaac Newton um, was appointed warden of the Mint, the Royal Mint, in 1696. Wow. So that's an interesting fact. Yeah. I, out of all of the jobs that are going at London Tower, I want the Raven Master. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do. Super cool. Look yeah. it up. Look him up on I, Facebook. So cute. The Ravens are so cute. He has the cutest photos of them. I want to know their names. Oh, yeah. They have really good names. <laughs> well, there you go, um, listeners. Scaredy cats. Yeah. Like, there you go. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, my Sunday is done. I'm going to go and <laughs> sit and watch stuff about London Towers, famous ghosts. Yeah, it was so a good intrigued. one. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed researching it. I really enjoyed all the history. There is loads, buckets, buckets, buckets more history to it. So it's fascinating. It would be cool to visit there. 
Yeah, you did such a good job today and maybe even like mm. later down the track sometime, like maybe in season two or something, we could revisit London Tower and you can tell us more. That'd be cool. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good night, scaredy cats. Got a spooky story you'd like us to share or a haunted location you'd like us to cover? Send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at turns out underscore it's haunted. We'd appreciate a follow, a share, a rating, a review, whatever floats your boat. Sleep well, my scaredy cats.